morning, everyone. I wanted to move the pulpit down here, like when I'm up there. I'm too tempted to like look above everyone and avoid eye contact. So this is me. Um, and also, I like the ADA implication of the pulpit being accessible. Um, if you don't mind if I give a couple more more commercials. Um, children's time, Darren. Thank you. Like. I might be able to speak for most of us when I say we expect that to be on YouTube sometime in the near future. Because <laughs> I think we were all down here collectively. Um, so I have these inner conversations with this inner antagonist. And it's like, you're not talking about God, you're talking about nature. And I'm like, wait a minute, who created nature? <laughs> we're literally talking about what was created by him. Um, what better way to learn about God? Um, and Liz, thank you for um, the songs this morning. You made me new, you are making me new. I love how like saved and made new are interchangeable there. It feels like there's so much argumentation about being made new, being saved. I respect a lot of that but we live our entire life in that second phase <laughs> of being made new and being saved. We're saved, are saved, will be saved. Um, so I want to spend my energy on the actual part we're living in and not argue so much about how things may have begun getting lost in theology. Um, yeah, sorry, that, that was the commercials I had in my head that might keep me from getting squirreled. Um, I am back on my Adderall, so that's a wonderful thing. I was off for about a month for stupid reasons, so you might need to strap in, because um, here we go. Uh, the message is on repair work. Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm coming to you. Sorry, I'm singing this song in my head. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and, I have, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Please pray with me. Dear God, we come together here to hear from you and to hear from each other because you speak through us as well. I pray that you would disarm us, disarm me, give us ears to hear, um, give us 
minds that are moldable. Give us hearts and souls that are moldable. Help us to see what you would have for us today and how we can be in your work of repair. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, I had to write pray on my notes. I didn't forget this time. Um, so what is the deal of repair work that you may have heard of today? Um, speaking for myself, it's a relatively new concept from my experience, my circles, and never really heard of it before. Um, I remember a former president traveling to several nations to try to extend grace, empathy, and sorrow for wrongs of the past. I distinctly remember hearing it described by some as the apology tour, said in a sarcastic tone. <clears throat> What does America have to apologize for? You know, and this isn't political. I, I'm praying so. Um, pulling the concept out of it and getting the argumentation aside, the Bible just tells us to forgive others as Christ forgives us, right? Just boom, boom, done. No strings attached. That's kind of the mindset I grew up in. Forgive us, forgive us, he forgave us. It's right there in the Lord's Prayer, you know. Forgive our, those that trespass against us. <clears throat> that misapplied scripture had me thinking, where do we see repair work being done in the Bible? I prefer exegetical where you're going through a passage and you give the principle, but sometimes topical preaching would be finding something that's missing and then finding where it is in the Bible. Um, the story of Zacchaeus has always left me with more questions than answers. And I think that's a safe place to be. <laughs> um, that word must, I must stay at your house today. Like, I, my, my mind gets like tripped up, you know, like the Bible should trip us up. Like, we should see stuff that makes us, you know, think, wrestle, struggle, all those wonderful things. Um, if our Bible is doing everything for us that we expect it to, maybe we should be expecting more. Um, the story of Zacchaeus reminds me of how Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Some, some, some translations will say he must, needs, go through Samaria. Well, why? You know, always be asking the five W's of every verse because you'll have nuggets that you've been walking over for your whole life and not realize it was there. Um... Jesus had the uncanny way about him like he knew what to look for, like he knew what was coming, like he had been there before, like he was watching a movie he had already seen. What was going on inside the head of Zacchaeus? Not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector. Um, he's thinking, who, 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 who is this Jesus? And just the fact that he was interested 
might presuppose that his wealth might not have been giving him the happiness he was expecting. I mean, if it was, why would he be curious about what Jesus had to offer? Um, and I'm, and I'm, uh, in, in the passage, Zacchaeus wanted to see, not just get up in the tree to see Jesus, but to see who Jesus was. Like, one of the guys I, I work with has an excellent, excellent quote on, on his wall that says, uh, I'm gonna, not, not going to do it justice, but um, sometimes we need to look with our eyes. Sometimes we need to hear with our eyes. And I think that's part of what Zacchaeus wanted to do. He wanted to see Jesus, but he wanted to hear of Jesus with his eyes, how he, how he interacted. Out of the thousands of people in the bustling city of Jericho, how did Jesus happen to notice Zacchaeus sitting in a tree. Just one of those wonderful parts in the Bible. Reminds me of the crowds pressing in on Jesus as he was going to heal um, someone's child, I believe. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? <laughs> the disciples, everyone's touching you, Jesus. Um, the woman with the issue of blood had, had touched him. Jesus just has the ability to know who was genuinely seeking him with curiosity. Let the little children come to me. Jesus didn't make it a habit to spend a lot of time with rich people. In fact, Zacchaeus might be one of the few that he did spend time with um, that was recorded as coming to Christ, as we would say. The other rich man recorded in scripture asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus answered, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Whoa. That rich man was sad and, and, and went away because his riches made up much of his happiness that he wasn't willing to give up. His happiness, his purpose, whatever it was. Um, why did Jesus tell this rich man to sell all that he had and give to the poor? It's one of those questions I've wondered my whole life, because it's, it's not in that neat, you know, waffle square theology that we're usually taught. Um, like, we wouldn't tell somebody that, but Jesus did. Um, Ananias and Sapphira <laughs> seemed to have some possessions that they kept for themselves, and it didn't end out well for them. Or in the book of Joshua, when Achan buried some of the spoils of their battle didn't work out well for him or his family. The Bible records all three of those people as being, being done in. Um, what is this all about? Jesus didn't really mean for us to sell all that we have, or did he? What happened to the manna that was collected to last more than one day? I mean, except for Saturdays. You, you collected two days on Saturdays so you could or Friday, so you could not work on the Sabbath. Every other day of the week, they were told to collect one day because the second day would spoil. Um, I think that relates here. Having excessive possessions stored away, having a high propensity to spoil our mind, steal our ability to trust in God's provision. If we are not using these possessions and investing actively investing them in God's work, then they might just be in our way. Why, why the seeming excessive response from Zacchaeus? Like, 
I've heard it taught where he goes to his house and then eats and then he says what he says. If you read this passage, it appears that he says that prior to going to his house. Either way, regardless, he's giving half of his um, possessions away and then re-giving who was defrauded four times. Um, was he like the rich Pharisees who would drop their heavy offerings into the basket so everyone could hear and call attention to their giving? Was Zacchaeus just trying to slide into, sit on the right hand of God like James and John were trying to do? Um, we, we, we wouldn't really know if not for Jesus' reply where he says, certainly salvation has come to this house. Jesus saw his heart. Jesus didn't stop Zacchaeus from giving half of his possessions to the poor or to repay those wronged fourfold because much of that was already part of existing Jewish law. And Jesus, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, not to supersede it. One of the other Jewish laws, the Day of Atonement, didn't apply to you if you still hold a grudge with your brother. There was a speaker, Dania Ruttenberg, uh, has a book on repentance and repair making amends in an unapologetic world. She uh, follows the Jewish tradition, and I so appreciate having the variety of uh, opinion. Um, but this concept of holding a grudge against your brother, if you don't mind, Darren, I want to go ahead and play that second video. Here I am again to lift you up, to praise your name on high. Yet I wonder if you hear me at all with the stone that I've clenched in my hand. Help me lay stone and love my neighbor, love my neighbor as you have shown. Help me prefer and sit with my neighbor, sit with my neighbor as you Here I am. 
Can't you tell me go reconcile with my brother? The offense between us shall not stand. Help me lay down the stone and love my brother. Love my brother as you have shown. What God is this who seeks restoration amongst his creation before we praise his name? Here I am again, walking on my way, when I see see to his care am I my brother's keeper help me lay down the stone and love the stranger love the outsider as you have shown help me lay down stone and love the stranger. There is no outsider to your love. Help me lay down the stone and love every enemy. Love those who disagree Taken up the towel, washed the feet of my Judas. There is no outsider to your love. There is no outsider to played that a little bit earlier in my notes, but um, Repentance and Repair with um, Dana Ruttenberg. She went through a lot of old Jewish law and found five steps. Number one was to name the harm and to own it, not use the type of apology of if, like the word if shouldn't be in an apology. Um, Second step was to um, starting to change, which can mean research, which can mean learning. Third step was restitution and accepting consequences. Fourth, interestingly enough, was an apology. Like, not, not first. <laughs> I, I often feel that. Like, when, if there's ever some, something going on with me and Teresa, like, I'll, I'll be the first to say, like, I don't know what to apologize for, but I know I need to. 
but it, so it, it helps to have that learning prior. Almost like confession is first and then apology is later. Um, making different choices is last. Um, and again, circling back to the beginning, you know, well, we just forgive like Christ does, which doesn't have all these five steps. We're, we're, we're confusing forgiveness with repentance and forgiveness with repair. We have to tease these apart and see that they're actually separate things and that the repair work is in scripture, in Jewish law, which is what Zacchaeus followed. And Jesus had no problem with it. He didn't say, no, don't, don't do all that. It's grace now. He, Christ didn't abolish the Jewish law. Um, but the work of repair is in scripture. Um, more to what the song was speaking of, uh, Matthew 5, 23 to 26. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court other concerns after that with the court, but um, laying down the stone, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of think about the stone for a second, like, I like to look at those overlooked features of stories that, yes, it's probably a lot of conjecture, so the conjecture is overlooked, but I like conjecture. <laughs> conjecture has a lot of questions in it that allow me to think and provide space for that. Um, I like to think about the idea of stones being broken, being jagged. We're not talking about some river stone, you know, usually it's whatever you pick up. But if one person had this one, and if one person had this one, you know, you kind of mess around with them until you're like, Eureka, these fit perfectly together. Like, my jaggedness and Darren's jaggedness in community, strangely enough, can fit. Um, my knowledge of this old house <laughs> tells me that when your plumbers are taking up old tile, if the, um, the grout is of a thicker or harder consistency than the, the, the stone, you're gonna break the stone before you break the grout. So that you can usually take off the vertical um, tiles, but not the horizontal, because these are gonna break. So you're thinking, oh, well, that's not a, a stronger stone. If what binds us together is our community in Christ, that binding is stronger than us in ourselves. So this is a stronger brick than one that we actually made on ourselves, stronger because of the community that we share. Um, I wonder if anybody were to have like a piece of information that might be torn in half, you know, just a part of a piece of information. We have part of a bulletin. <laughs> Would anybody have the other part? We have it over here. So 
Our bulletin is usually used to inform us about what's going on. Most of us have a full bulletin. Got it. All illustrations break down at, at some point. But in this case, we've got people with different halves of a bulletin, different parts of a whole, whereas if they come together, get a better picture. I just wanted to use that to illustrate how partial information, look at that, repair work right there. Partial information, incomplete information can be used to weaponize because what we have is full. Our partial information to our mind is full. And sharing that partial information with community to reach a greater full that we didn't have before makes it much, much more difficult to weaponize our beliefs. Um, leaving our gift at the altar. When we were still lost, sorry, lost my notes. Laying down the stone. Um, bringing our gift to the altar is an individual practice. Um, reconciling with your brother is a community-minded practice that God holds ahead of giving our offering to him. I don't understand that God. <laughs> that, that's what I put in that song. Like, what God is this that values community above what he, what he asks of us individually? God wants me to value repair work with my brother above what he's asked of me individually. Jesus doesn't want his church to be dis disjoined. He prayed for the church to be one. I was curious about what a stone may symbolize if in the story of Jesus telling him that it was cast with, in the story of Jesus telling him that, him that is without uh, sin cast the first stone. Could a stone be a past painful experience of mine, an unresolved trauma? Beyond the pride of throwing the stone, could a stone be a way that I feel insecure or insufficient? What if I were to move past my individuality and network with those who I do life with and see who may have another piece that might be missing, how they fit together and create community? Only with our pieces fitting together can we form the support needed to help repair a long ignored pain of our brothers and sisters. The idea for that illustration for the, the two bricks, it, they can't really be used well by themselves when they're forged together with uh, the community that is stronger than, each, than any of us individually. Ending, ending with a stronger brick than what you started with, that brick can be used to repair something in somebody else's life, completely unrelated to the stuff that me and Darren worked out that, okay, this made a new understanding. Oh, so-and-so has that struggle. So our doing community together can help repair someone that, you know, the person that wronged them, gone gone. 
Um, forgiveness, yes, is given, is asked for by the offender, but repair, I would submit that's the job of, of everyone, to go alongside others to offer repair where repair isn't possible from the offender. Um, what if we stopped looking to assign blame? <laughs> what if I stopped looking to assign blame? What if I started believing that I am truly my brother's keeper? What if I initiated repair work, offered repair work for someone that I have never even wronged? Like that relationship is irrelevant. It's a brother in Christ that needs repair from what has happened with them. Finally, I added this verse last minute. Romans 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our own sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance, endurance character and character hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, I forget which one, which version this is, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were still, I was still lost in my own excesses. I, I just read excuses. You can use either one there. I had my own excuses. I had my own excesses. I was drowning in my own pride, selfishness. The father ran to the prodigal when he saw him afar off. Um, who, who is it that sees people from afar off? Is a passerby, you know, a passive bystander sees someone looking far off? No, they're looking right in front of them. You have to be already looking in order to see someone far off. And to know that when we were in our worst places, that God's vision was directly on us. We love God because he first loved us. God didn't wait for us to be able or willing to initiate the repairing of our, our relationship. God is a good, good father. He sought me out to repair his relationship with me before time even began. Um, so it was the idea of repair in scripture, how it was very, it, it seemed like Zacchaeus was the most clear, like undeniably clear and fully accepted by Jesus under Jewish law. And then the idea of going to the altar with your priority of what you've offered to God and knowing that that is second place to our relationship with our brothers. That, I, I, I don't pretend to understand that. Um, 
and then knowing that it's not about blame, it's, it's not about shame or anything like that. God was the example that showed me how to initiate repair. When obviously God's not at fault, yet he was the great initiator of our repair with him. Again, like the last time I talked about grief, I, I, don't, I don't claim to know anything about what I'm talking about right now, except to let you know that it's what God's working in me, and I just wanted to share it as a community so I can make it a better part of my life to be a repairer um, of community. Thank you.